At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is the Pittsburgh City Cast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. It has to be above the shoulder. Oh. Puck on the stick, above the shoulder. Holy. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Holy sh- one. Just sucks. That's going to be. That's close. Yeah, it sure was close, Don Koharski. Not as close as you just came to an FCC violation. Heck, maybe technically you just committed one, but close indeed. However, the overtime goal counts for the Colorado Avalanche last night. They win the series, they sweep the Oilers. And like Koharski, I had a few four letter words last night because. Even though I bet on the Avs to win the series, I thought the Oilers would win last night and the under would hold. Neither happened. Avs sweep courtesy of a 6-5 overtime winner from Arturi Lekkinen. That was almost a high stick. I did not have over 10.5. Sorry, probably should have seen that one coming given the way game one ended. We were overdue for another one of those between these two teams. Avs stormed back from, what, 4-1 down. They tied it. They took the lead. They blew the lead. Then they win it in overtime, and now it's on to the Stanley Cup Finals. I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. It is brought to you by BetRivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. BetRivers Sportsbook is your home for betting on the pivotal Game 3 matchup between Boston and Golden State. Three is the magic number. When you bet on any player's total three-pointers prop bet, you'll get a free bet for every three made in the game. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Bet on the threes in game three and score yourself free bets. Make your bets at betrivers.com or on the BetRivers app presented by Rivers Casino. Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. I will be there on Friday. Must be 21 gambling problem. Call 
1-800-GAMBLER. The Avs are now minus 225 to win the Stanley Cup. I'll be interested to see how that line matches up against either the Rangers or Lightning based on whoever wins the East and whenever it happens. I figure it'll be around minus 200 to 186 if it's New York, somewhere in the 170s or to 186 against the Lightning. I'll take the Avs over either team, though. However, goaltending will be interesting. Rare are the times when the favored team has the significantly lesser goalie, but that will be the case for the Avs, whether it's Francois or Kemper in net against either Shesterkin or Vasilevsky. Overwhelmingly, in fact, Odds usually make up for something like that, but I'm guessing they won't hear. The rest of the Avalanche are just that good, and they are hot right now. Cal McCarr is the front runner for the Con Smythe at minus 200, McKinnon at minus 210. Based on the first three rounds that I've seen so far, I can see why, but if McKinnon has a even slightly better cup final, even by a little, I bet he ends up winning that award. You watch. Tonight, I think the Lightning even it up, but I don't feel great about that line at minus 180. I don't feel good about the puck line at all. This feels like a one-goal game to me. I'm not feeling an empty netter tonight. The Rangers might be good value at plus 150. Like I said, I think Tampa wins, but I don't think that strongly enough to the tune of minus 180. And if you want to give me plus 150 on the Rangers, I might lean that way. I'm a real game-time decision on this one. Plenty more on that with Brian Metzer of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network coming up in the second segment of the show. Baseball tonight is a true game-time decision for the whole Pirates game against the Detroit Tigers. The weather is awful, but if they play, I love the Pirates tonight. I can't believe they are plus money against the Tigers. The Bucks having 1-8 of 12, getting plus 107 to win, take them, the Tigers stink, they're losers of three in a row, and they have the fewest road wins in all of baseball, Quintana tonight against Scooble, the under is low, bad weather, it should be low, it's at seven right now, that's the over-under line, it's plus 100 to go under seven, I'll take that too with those two guys pitching and the conditions being what they are, Scooble is at a 2.15 ERA and four and two, Quintana at 2.32, and a 1-2 record. The Pirates have 185 runs, third worst in the majors. The Tigers, 150, by far the lowest in the majors. Yeah, give me the under here. Don't outthink yourself, and let's just see if they can get the game in. Elsewhere, the Rangers and Guardians. That sounds like a game that should go under the Mike Prasuda doubleheader category. Catch the final of the first game, then go the other way in game two. Makes sense to me. So if you want a heads up here, the first one starts at 310. I love the Cubs against the Orioles tonight with unbeaten Keegan Thompson on the road against Baltimore, even though Baltimore has been a bit tricky lately. The Cubs are just minus 110 to win that one. Boy, I don't know where those odds are coming from. Verlander pitches tonight against Seattle for the Astros, so I'm all about Houston in this game at minus 245. Verlander 6-2, and an ERA of 223 and 10 starts, 64 and two-thirds innings pitched, 61 strikeouts, a whip of 0.8. You want to parlay that one? Well, how about with the Blue Jays? Manoa's pitching tonight, 6-1, one, a 198 ERA going up against Brad Keller, who's 1-6 with the Royals in an ERA of 4.15. Back to the Pirates for a second. If you want to play them, I'd say play them now while they're hot against the Tigers. It gets tougher after the Tigers. The Pirates go on an eight-game road trip, four in Atlanta, four in St. Louis. 
The Braves have won five in a row, averaging 7.2 runs per game and 9-13. They are now 28-27, second place in the National League East. The Cardinals, 32-33, second place in the NL Central. That's six and a half games better than the Pirates in the division. They've got a plus-56 run differential. That's third best in the National League, bolstered by an 18-4 win at PNC Park on May the 22nd. The Cardinals are 5-1 against the Pirates this year. And yes, the Pirates are scheduled to face Adam Wainwright on June the 15th. And we all know what that means. The career numbers for Wainwright against the Pirates, 23 victories more than any other opponent he has faced. Since the start of 2019, the 40-year-old 10-0 against the Pirates over those 11 starts. He has given up just 14 earned runs in 78 innings for an ERA of 162. Over the same period, his strikeout to walk total is 70-17, to 17, and he's only allowed four home runs. Those numbers include six innings of shutout ball on opening day this year as the Cardinals blanked the Pirates 9-0. In four starts last year against the Pirates, Wainwright allowed only one earned run over 30 innings. So what I'm saying is win as much as you can between now and June the 15th then double it all down against Wainwright beating the Pirates because I don't see it going any other way. Uh, one other thing to pass along before we step aside here and get to Brian Metzer to talk more hockey. Of course, the big story from yesterday, Aaron Donald's contract, the former Pitt Panther and Penn Hill star getting a $40 million raise that will make him the highest paid defensive player in the league. T.J. Watt, hope you enjoyed that while it lasted. Donald acknowledged the new deal via the Rams' social media account on Monday night. Uh, he was already under contract for $55 million over the next three seasons, but he openly contemplated retirement after he won his first Super Bowl in February, so the Rams gave him the money he was looking for to keep him on the roster. Of course, he wasn't going anywhere. I guess I don't even have to say it that way. Just to keep him happy is probably how I should say it. According to NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport, Donald's contract will make him the highest-paid non-quarterback in NFL history. Rappaport said no new years were added to Donald's contract and now guarantees him $65 million over the next two seasons and $95 million through the 2024 season. Pro Football Talk broke it down this way. Signing bonus of $25 million. 2022 roster bonus of $5 million fully guaranteed. The base salary in 2022, $1.5 million fully guaranteed. The 2023 roster bonus is $15 million fully guaranteed and due on the second day of the 2023 league year. The 2023 base salary is $13.5 million guaranteed for injury at signing and fully guaranteed as of the third day of the 2023 year. Won't bother getting into the Weeds of the 2024 roster bonus, it's $5 million bucks. But what I'm saying is he might even have enough money to drive from Penn Hills to downtown Pittsburgh and back and fill his tank. Maybe. I don't want to get crazy. You know what gas prices are, but maybe. Might have enough. We'll talk some more football when we come back after a 30-second break and after our conversation with Brian Metzer. He joins us once a week to talk hockey here on the Pittsburgh CityCast, and we discuss the odds surrounding the Stanley Cup Finals with one half of them set. The Colorado Avalanche are in. We look at tonight's game between the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa. Game number four, the Lightning trying to close the gap and even the series at two apiece. Mets coming up. And then when we talk Steelers, 
We'll look at some Steelers who are on the College Football Hall of Fame ballot. A bunch of them, former Steelers from all eras. We'll kick that around when we come back. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21 gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler. Joining me right now from the Pittsburgh Penguins radio network, it is Brian Metzer. You can hear him on 1059 The X during the season. On the post-game show, intermissions, Pens Live Weekly with Paul Steigerwald. You can hear him once a week at Trib Live on the Breakfast with Ben's podcast as well. Mets never stops with the hockey talk, though, even when the season ends with the Penguins. And we continue to talk puck right now as we look ahead to the NHL Stanley Cup Finals. And we know at least one team that will be in it. It is the Colorado Avalanche. What a game in Game 4 to close out the sweep. Mets, when you think of games like great playoff games, you don't often come back to games that close out sweeps. You know, like the Bobby Orr game is one that comes to mind. Um, I can't even remember. Well, I guess there's a great game when the Penguins closed out the sweep against the Chicago Blackhawks. That's one that has low-hanging fruit for those of us here in Pittsburgh. But, man, that was a fun hockey game last night watching the Avs finish things off against the Oilers. Big comeback. They give it away. They win it again late in overtime on a somewhat controversial goal, although I thought the right call was made uh, on that tip that was nearly a high stick. Just ask Don Koharski. Um, <laughs> what'd you think, Matt, to that way to close it out for the Avalanche against the Edmonton Oilers in game four? Yeah, he let his feelings known uh, quite <laughs> freely on the broadcast. Correct him. It was funny. Uh, yeah, you know what? It was a really fun hockey game. I thought that Edmonton would prolong the series once I saw they had jumped out to a two-goal lead, carried that lead into the third period, and then the Avs were the Avs. I mean, they just looked like this could be their time finally. They were one of these teams that everybody's been talking about that needed to get over a hump. I know they look at Edmonton, they look at the Avs, they look at a couple of these other teams around the league, including the Rangers, who were still alive on the other side. But this is a team that's had a lot of heartbreak. It's been, what, 22 years or something since they last were at this point. And here they are. They uh, they roared back in that hockey game. The way they were scoring goals on Mike Smith, I thought well, he did kind of lose his mind at one point. He threw his stick. I have a video of it that I found. Uh, he was kind of angry in one spot during that hockey game. And he's kind of a surly guy. And you could see his, uh, I guess, demeanor change after he gave up there. He gave the puck away on the wall that ended up in a Landeskog goal. That's something that, had, for as well as he played throughout these playoffs, that's still a bugaboo for them, having a goaltender that can close out a game for them. Because, unfortunately for him, he kind of has had those gaffes in his game all playoffs long. He had a couple of mistakes in each series, and it ended up biting him in this one. But the Avalanche, man, that just was a fun hockey game, as you pointed to. Six third-period goals combined between the two teams, both playing without a big player, with Kadri out on one side and Kane out on the other. But the Avs on their way to the Stanley Cup final, and there's some speculation. They could have double-digit days off here, depending on how long the other series goes. And that might not be good news for, for them going up against an Eastern, Eastern Conference team, one of which is going for their third consecutive Stanley Cup. Also makes you wonder, 
how the cadre situation factors into all that. I guess his thumb must really be messed up then, knowing that that could have been a prospect. They decided to have the surgery anyway. Yeah, I mean, there was there was some speculation that uh, right after the game the other night when he was injured, I saw a Finnish reporter of all people put out something on Twitter that said he was done potentially for the season at that point, right after the game. I know everyone was just saying locally or in the States that it was for the series for sure. But then uh, there was there was some rumor that he was done for the year. And that's a huge loss. I mean, all season long, I know he can be a real knucklehead, but all season long. He has been one of, if not their best player in terms of putting up points and scoring big goals, had a uh, tremendous effort in these playoffs. And I think he's put himself in another echelon. And funny how that happens in a contract year for guys all the time. They kind of take that next step forward. I have a future watch magazine from from any um, the hockey news. I, I buy that every year when they put it out. It's one of my favorite issues. They talk about all the top prospects in the league. And there was a point when Kadri was the cover boy on the future watch. I mean, everybody anticipated him being a huge star in this league. And he looks like he's finally on the cusp of doing that. It's just unfortunate that now going into this free agency period, his uh, he's going to be dealing with this injury. I'm sure he'll be okay. It won't probably impact the the suitors for him, but that will be a big loss for the avalanche in the Stanley cup final based on what he's been able to do for them this season. And being that, that really solid option behind Nathan McKinnon. If you look at the odds right now, Mets, the Avalanche are minus 225 to win the Stanley Cup. I'm not quite sure how much further down that will adjust once there actually is only one other team to pick from the Eastern Conference, the Rangers or the Lightning. But if you look at it right now with Game 4 looming and the Rangers up 2-1 in that series with Game 4 coming in Tampa, it's a negligible difference on the odds board for the Rangers and Lightning. Rangers at 425, even though they're up a game, plus 425, of course, plus 450 for the Lightning. Which of these two teams do you think gives a better challenge to the Avalanche in the Stanley Cup Final? Well, I think either has a good chance early in the series based on what we were just mentioning about the layoff for the Avs. I mean, that just... If it works like it does for the hometown team here in Pittsburgh, Tim, where we've seen the Penguins really struggle when they come off of a layoff. And the biggest example I can think of where it bit them in the backside was the 2013 Eastern Conference uh, Championship where they went up against the Boston Bruins. I think the Penguins had something like eight days off. And I know you and I, you and I talked about this a few weeks back uh, in regard to something else. But that didn't work well for the Pens. They came out. They were swept out. They only scored two goals in the series. I don't think that'll happen to the Avs. But it always just seems to take a team a little bit of time to shake off that that malaise, if you will. I mean, they're riding a high right now. They're so excited about getting there. So I think either team would be a pretty good matchup early in that series. But I'm kind of torn because you have the light or the Lightning team that's going to have played just a boatload of hockey. They have had tough series along the way, as have the Rangers. So I, I wonder if. The Avs just having the rest and and kind of rolling through these Stanley Cup playoffs are gonna gonna have it you know a little easier than either of those teams. But I think the Rangers have a team of destiny feel at this point. I'm not sure that the Lightning are gonna be able to threepeat. It's so hard to do that. But that said, both teams that they're playing, the Rangers and potentially the Avalanche, could be dealing with a little bit of the yips and and the nerves of getting to. Uh, the point where they are in the East and then, of course, in the Stanley Cup final. But I, I think that if the Lightning get there, it's going to be a knockdown drag out. If the Rangers get there and jump on the avalanche early in that series and they can contain Cal McCarr and one other wild card, is Darcy Kemper going to be able to play? We mm. don't know yet. 
So if Francoose is in there, uh, that that changes everything a little bit for me. And the Rangers really look like a different team. And I, I'm curious for your thought on this, Tim. They look like a different team today than they did against the Penguins. I mean, they were an eyelash away, even having to win three straight against the Pens, of being eliminated in that series. They weren't good defensively. They were hemorrhaging high-danger scoring chances. They were giving up a ton of goals. But since, they look really strong. Their defense has settled in. They're scoring goals. Their big guys are getting on the board. And it, I don't know. They, it's like a, a, a switch flip for them. So I, I do feel like they they could be good money to to put your money on. If you have a couple extra bucks, even if you're going another direction, going to you know go for Colorado, go for Tampa, if you have a chance to throw some money on the Rangers now just as, as having been that team of destiny, maybe just put a little bit there just to hedge a bet and maybe really cash out big if they end up pulling this off. Well, like I said, yeah, that'd be plus 425 to win the cup. It's minus 136. Yeah. Those odds aren't too dramatic to be up 2-1 in a series. I think that just shows the respect that people have for the Lightning. Uh, minus 136 to win the East. I'll go to your question, Mets. Yeah, and I'll answer. I do think that they are playing better than they did against the Penguins, and I think a lot of that has to do with how much better Shesterkin is playing. Um, he didn't seem to be as bothered by the Carolina home crowd as he was in Pittsburgh. I think he kind of got used to it. He must have because that environment in Carolina has been so hard for everybody else yep. to deal with, and collectively it was for most of the series, but I don't think I saw his play waver as much from home to road in that series as I did against Pittsburgh. You know, the goaltending to me is such a talking point for the final because not only of what you brought up, which is who is in net for the Avalanche and are they good enough, but it's who are they facing? I mean, the Avs, I don't think, have seen a goaltender close to as good as whoever they will play in the Stanley Cup final after what they saw in the West. What do you think? No, you're exactly right. I mean, they kind of lucked out going up against Nashville early on with um, Soros being out with his injury. So they, they got to play David Riddick, which is quite the drop off. Um, you know, and I, I don't think that really anybody they've had to face is in the same conversation as Especially when Bennington or, went out. Bennington went out yeah, to yeah, St. Louis. They knocked him out as well. Yeah, so Husso came in. So they've played essentially a backup goaltender to clinch all of their series. Then again, and so have the Rangers <laughs> yeah, <laughs> until this round, exactly right? right? Yeah, and you know, it's funny, though. The first time they go up against Vasilevsky, they jump up two games to none. So uh, we all thought that would be a talking point. Now, that all that said, I want to see how the Rangers react moving forward because they had a 2 nothing lead in Game 3 with a chance to really – put their, their foot on the back of the necks of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then the Lightning kind of did what the Lightning always do. Their best players kind of rose to the occasion. The play that uh, Kucherov made to set up the game winner was just one of those pretty little plays that a superstar makes. He took the pass in the high slot. No one really knew what he was doing before the Rangers could even get set. He did the little glide and threw the backhand pass to Pilat, who now has six uh, game-winning goals in the Stanley Cup playoffs, second to only Braden Point during their runs over the last handful of years here. And that beats Shesterkin kind of on the short side there. He was on the post trying to get over. And I want to see how they bounce back because if the Lightning take game four and end up tying the series, bringing it back to New York, who knows? Are we just going to see the Lightning do what they always do and just roll on to the Stanley Cup final? kind of popping the balloon of the Rangers. But the way that they came back in that game and won it could be one of those deflating things for the Rangers. However, 
We saw them come back from three games to one down against the Penguins. They've showed a lot of resilience in, in these playoffs, and they're getting the goal scoring against a really good goal tender. So um, I think either team that does get there is going to give a bad goaltending matchup to the Avalanche. That said, those guys seem to be able to score. I mean, Cal McCarr had uh, five points in the clinching game, Tim. So, I mean, these guys are on fire. And I thought about Nathan McKinnon coming down the right wing and scoring the goal he did in the clincher. That was almost a Sid-esque goal, and I I can't help but think of Sidney Crosby when I see McKinnon because I know they're so close. They train together, and uh, if McKinnon wins it, it's kind of like the Sid wrestling faction all has their, their Stanley Cup then because Sid has his, Brad Marchand, who's their buddy, has his, and then, of course, McKinnon would be the last cog in that uh, faction to get a Stanley Cup. McCarr, plus 200 to win the Conn Smythe right now. He's the favorite slightly ahead of McKinnon, which – you know, is saying something because you know, usually the designated team leader, uh, when they're that big of a star, you always yep. give him the Stanley Cup. But I, I can see where people are coming from with Makar. He's been just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he, he has been red hot in these playoffs. And you know what? How often do you see a defenseman leading the charge the way that he does? And, you know, sometimes we, we see analysts league-wide go a little over the top, Tim, and, and kind of bloviate on these guys. I mean, we heard it so much about Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, rightly so. They each had 30 points in the playoffs, and they're not even moving on to the Stanley Cup final. They were just outstanding, but they both kind of dried up a lot in this conference final. So that really speaks with, to what they were able to do in the first couple of rounds of the playoffs. But that said, uh, people go nuts. I, I don't think it's unjust, though. I mean, these guys are on another level. But Cal McCarr, I remember being there when he was drafted. I covered that draft, and people said, this kid's going to be really special. And I'm like, okay, I've heard that about a number of defensemen coming into the National Hockey League. Well, he came in that one season late in the year after his college uh, campaign ended and did some really good things. And I'm like, okay, maybe he is going to be something special. And lo and behold, all he's done ever since is get better and better and better. And he seems like a humble kid. He's, he can skate like the wind. He can score like crazy. I, I can't think of a defenseman that's been able to do the stuff that he does uh, right off the top of my head. I mean, just every aspect of the game flows through him for the avalanche. And with those other skilled players, it wouldn't shock me that he would have a, a really strong opportunity to win that con Smythe if they end up raising the Stanley Cup. Hedman won it in 20. Keith won it in 15. And Scott Niedermeyer, prior to that, you've got to go back to 2007. Yeah, but they, they all did it in different ways. I mean, those guys, yeah, they chipped in offensively, but they their game didn't, like, flow through them. They were just so good. You know, they were big parts of the defense of those teams. I mean, especially that Scott Niedermeyer run, Tim, when he won with his brother. Um, I, I don't know. It's just it's crazy to me to think that this kid is involved in every aspect of what they do. Special teams, the five on five play, scoring, getting back, making defensive plays. It's not like he's just all offense. He's pretty darn good defensively in the way he gets back and breaks things up. Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. Metz, you mentioned the draft. Logan Cooley. We talked with Lance Lysowski, who used to work here in Pittsburgh, now covers yeah. the Sabres for the Buffalo news and he covered the NHL scouting combine and said uh, if they don't go with Shane Wright they being the Canadians atop the draft board it might be Cooley so we might see a Pittsburgh kid go number one overall in the NHL draft <laughs> how about that we've certainly come a long way here Tim I know um, just thinking about growing up in Pittsburgh and you know how this was here uh, we we didn't have many options uh, to to even play hockey you could do it i mean i you know when i went to central catholic there was a hockey team they 
Um, you know, a lot of kids played and it, it was growing and that's due to Mario Lemieux, but it still wasn't at the level that it achieved early on. Uh, like when Sidney Crosby came on board, it helped hockey grow even more here in Pittsburgh. So thanks to those two guys, it's gotten a huge footprint and we saw, you know, some, some signs of this back in 2012 when that whole class came in, uh, the Pittsburgh kids and, and, um, really burst onto the scene. Some of them have become stars in this league. And you think of like the John Gibsons and the Trocheks, and even before that, Ryan Malone was probably the biggest name out of Pittsburgh in terms of uh, productivity. I know we also had, um, I can't think of him now, um, our guy from Plum who was a RJ flyer. Umberger. Yeah, R.J. Umberger. How could I forget and him? J.T. Miller but, was actually the highest drafted at 15. Yeah, doing that in the first round. So when you see all of that to where we are today where you have a kid who's on the cusp of, if nothing else, he's going to be a top three pick. He'll be the highest ever drafted from Pittsburgh. He is very talented. He came, he came up through the USA program like so many of these kids do. And I'm really excited for him. I'm excited for the city. And I, I think that it makes more eyes come to our city, Tim. I mean, I've seen over my years here in town, even going back to when I was young, I knew so many guys that were so good at the game. They, and I would look at a. There was a guy named Len Fiegel in Pittsburgh that I thought was one of the best hockey players I'd ever seen. He played club hockey for Duquesne because no one knew. <laughs> no one knew about him. I mean, he was so good. And uh, now that's all going to change. I would hope because people have started to scout this area a little bit more significantly. And if a guy from Pittsburgh goes in the top five, top three, or God, you know, heaven's sake here, number one overall to Montreal that would just be outstanding for our area and for hockey here in Pittsburgh. So I'm, I'm really excited about Cooley. Uh, I'm excited about his prospects of going in the top three. I think that's a really special story for the city and, and hockey, how it's grown here. Brian Metzer, Pittsburgh Penguins radio network. You mentioned Trocheck. Is he a legitimate option for the Penguins and free agency if they decide to not keep Malkin? Yeah. I mean, I would think that they would make a call to him. I mean, you put it this way, if David Morehouse was still uh, at the helm in Pittsburgh, I would say there's no doubt whatsoever that a call would be being made because still to this day, I know from people I've talked to, it still burned his backside that the Penguins did not end up with one of those Pittsburgh kids. He was really into Brandon Saad. I know he would have loved JT Miller. Uh, I, I've heard rumors, and you probably heard the same, that just a few years ago, it sounded like Jim Rutherford was on the cusp of acquiring JT Miller before he went to Vancouver, and it got shut down by the management of the Rangers. There was somebody really close to pulling the trigger on a deal there, which would have been outstanding. It would have kind of offset the loss of Gino before he lost Gino because he could have just slotted right in today as the, uh, the number two. But that said, I think Trocek will be on the radar. I think they'll at least make a phone call to him. I think he's going to command um, some money and it's going to come from a number of different suitors. And we already talked about the Penguins cap situation last week. So I'm not, I, I don't know if it works, but I, I think for sure they give him a call and he would be a nice fit as long as he can stay healthy. But then again, that's the same question we have with Geno. So it would be just like getting a younger version of an injury-prone center to play behind Sidney Crosby. Lastly, Mets, I wanted to ask you about uh, the firing of Bruce Cassidy with the Boston Bruins. Some of his numbers, especially since Mike Sullivan last won the Cup with the Penguins, very similar to Sullivan's and yeah. We don't seem to get any talk around here about that. What, what's that more statement of how reactionary the Bruins were or how patient Penguins fans and management have been with Sullivan? What's the more true statement? 
Probably a little of both. Um, I, I know they are impatient up in Boston, and uh, it sounds like there were a couple of guys lying in wait in their system. Um, there's speculation that I haven't seen it named yet or anything, but there was speculation that two different coaches that are involved with their AHL club are in the running to take over in Boston. And sometimes when you see th- things like that happen, there's almost a palace coup afoot where people kind of put the word out that I'm going to leave the organization and uh, I'd love to coach here. And, you know, management doesn't want to lose that guy. So maybe that played into it. I don't know. I just saw some speculation with some of the media from Boston yesterday or uh, last night, whenever this happened. But I, I, I do find it, find it very interesting because he was a good coach. He accomplished an awful lot with that hockey team, but they've not been able to get over the, over the hump. And I mean, Sullivan has those two cups on his resume. Cassidy doesn't have that. So while their numbers are similar, I think that it, it buys Mike Sullivan a little bit more goodwill. Um, he seems to have gotten a ringing endorsement from the new owners here in Pittsburgh. And the fan base, I've seen a lot of them call for the head of Mike Sullivan, but the people in and around the team aren't necessarily of the thinking of getting rid of him right now. So for me, I think that he has that goodwill purchased by back-to-back Stanley Cups. They've got to win a playoff series, though, I would think as soon as next year, or maybe the seat gets a little bit hotter under the new uh, ownership group. But Cassidy, for me, I think has had some really good teams. He's had some talented players, and he has maybe not accomplished as much in the Stanley Cup playoffs as they would have liked in Boston. And, you know, from being up there, Tim, and just, you know, being around that team a little bit when you were in Boston, that's a that's a tough market for them. And I think that uh, it's just vintage NHL. Not every situation ends up being like John Cooper or Mike Sullivan, I know Cooper's going for his third cup, where they just get this this long runway and a chance to continue to build and, and find ways to win hockey games. And I think that Sully is not Mike Tomlin-esque just yet, but he's got himself in a pretty cushy situation that the seat doesn't get as hot as it would in other markets. Brian, thanks a lot for the time. As always, greatly appreciate it. Really enjoyed talking hockey with you. Even though we are beyond Penguin season, we will continue to do so, I'm sure. Uh, here and there throughout the summer, especially as draft and free agency rolls around. Thanks for coming on today, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, man? Sounds like a plan, my friend. Thanks for this. I always enjoy it as well. I, it just, it's funny that we're at this point. I feel like we went through the pandemic, Tim, where we talked for two years straight, it seemed, almost every week. And uh, now we finally kind of hit the end of that because we went right into this season, and uh, we had a little bit of downtime last summer. But, boy, time flies, does it not? All right, so my thanks to Brian Metzer of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. We'll hear from Metz again next week here on the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. I wanted to take a little bit of time here to acknowledge some Steelers who are on the new ballot that's been released for the College Football Hall of Fame. A bunch of Pitt and Penn State and West Virginia alumni dotting that list. Paul Puzlesny, Kajana Carter, DJ Dozier from Penn State, Matt Cavanaugh, Ironhead Hayward from the Panthers, Mountaineer product Aaron Beasley, a great defensive back for the Mountaineers. But a handful of former Steelers are also among the 218 coaches and players who have made the list. I'll just go in alphabetical order here. Flozell Adams, Michigan State offensive tackle, 1997. Signed with the Steelers in July of 2010 after starting at right tackle for a year. He then retired Played his final season with the Steelers in 2010. Uh, went to the Super Bowl. Jumped on the roster after Willie Colon suffered a season-ending torn Achilles tendon injury. 
Adams part of the team that went on to Super Bowl 45 and lost the Green Bay Packers during his only year in Pittsburgh. Here's a name from the past, Rich Ehrenberg, the Colgate running back, a rookie on the 84 team that upset John Elway in the playoffs to the Steelers. He was sort of a backup running back to Walter Ambercrombie and Frank Pollard, the Baylor backs. He finished his Steelers career after three years, the 174 carries, 642 yards, also total 98 receptions and had 10 total touchdowns. He scored a touchdown in that AFC championship game loss to the Dolphins that the Steelers suffered at the hands of Dan Marino. LeVon Kirkland, second time he's been on the ballot. We talked to him about this last year. Kirkland compiled 1,026 tackles, 19.5 sacks, 11 interceptions, 16 forced fumbles, 9 fumble recoveries, and 1 touchdown during his 10-year career. After 8 years in black and gold, he played 1 year in Seattle and another in Philadelphia. Was at Clemson, graduated in 91. Two All-Pro honors, second team in 1996, first team in 1997, part of the All-Decade team for the 90s, playing the Steelers, Super Bowl 30 loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Terrence Mathis is on the list too, played a year with the Steelers, came out of New Mexico in 1989, eight years with the Falcons after four years with the Jets, then his last year in 2002 with the Steelers. Had 80 yards in the club's two playoff games that year on six catches, 23 catches for 218 yards and two touchdowns during the regular season, catching balls from Tommy Maddox. He made the Pro Bowl in 1994 with Atlanta. Here's one all Steelers fans will remember, Heath Miller, the Virginia tight end who graduated in 2004, came to the Steelers, two-time Pro Bowler in 2009 and 2012, two-time Super Bowl champion in 05 and 08 with the Steelers, played 11 seasons in Pittsburgh. His career ended after the 2015 season with franchise records for a tight end in receptions, 592 yards, 65-69, and receiving touchdowns, 45. Antoine Randall-L, Indiana quarterback, finished his career in 2001. QB turned receiver, Randall-L, two stints with the Steelers from 02 to 05, and then 2010. He also played in Washington from 2006 to 2009. He won a Super Bowl 2005 in Detroit was also part of the 2010 club with Adams and Miller that went on to play the Packers. You might remember a touchdown pass he threw in the Super Bowl. Little toss. Here comes a gadget play. Randall L. He can throw. He was a quarterback in college. And he's thrown a touchdown to Hines Ward in the Super Bowl. And lastly, D'Angelo Williams, Memphis running back 2005, signed to back up Le'Veon Bell before 2015. Williams ended up starting 14 games over two seasons in part due to Bell's injuries and suspensions. He wound up with 1,250 rushing yards, 485 receiving yards, and 17 overall touchdowns as a Steeler. He led the team in rushing in 2015 with 907 yards, and you can read all about their college accomplishments. I put a link in at Breakfast with Ben's at Trib Live. That'll do it for us today. We will be back with more on Thursday. Day off tomorrow. Two more to come before the weekend. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast, and it's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com.